Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck sticks? What the fuck rakers? All right, that's enough of that. How are you? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. How are you? How are you? How, who are you talking to? Today on the show, Gabriel Iglesias, who, uh, the, who, who's, whose new concert film, The Fluffy Movie, uh, comes out this Friday, July 11th. Gabriel Iglesias... Who, who I've heard of and known of for years and have never met. But for years, he was always the guy that was just at the club. He was just, oh yeah, Gabriel was just here. We sold out the month. Oh yeah, Gabriel Iglesias was here. We, we had to turn people away. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong this week. It must be because it's uh, nice out. Them's were the days, folks. Them's were the days. Oh, you know who else is, who else is coming up that I wanted to mention? Because sometimes I can't sync everything up with everything else. But uh, Ian Edwards, who's hilarious, who uh, you know I talked to recently, we're going to put that, that WTF up. And I, I want to give a little love to his, his new uh, comedy record, 100% Half-Assed. Uh, it's available to download at TeamCocoRecords.com. He's actually the first artist on Conan O'Brien's Team Coco record label. And that's great. Here's the deal. Here's what's going on. A lot of you are asking me when I'm going to come to your town. Look, I need to plan a, a tour. I want to plan a tour. I've been talking about planning a tour, but we are waiting. We are waiting to see if the show gets picked up, which will make it a little different. If my show, Marin, gets picked up again for another season, I have to start working pretty quickly. So a thorough and multi-city tour will be a little difficult, but I should know something within the next week or so. I want to come perform for you. I'm excited to perform. I like performing. The Oddball Festival dates are up. I've got dates coming up in uh, several different cities with that Oddball Fest. Most of the cities I'm going to, I've never been to. Uh, I've got dates coming up. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be in Denver, man. I am going to be in Denver on the 18th and 19th at the Comedy Works. That's July. That's like a week. That's like two weeks away, kind of. A little less than two weeks away, Denver, at the Comedy Works. And I've got other dates coming up. You can go to WTFpod.com and look at the calendar and get those. But that's what I'm waiting for. So I'm either going to tour in the fall or I'm going to tour thoroughly in the spring with some scattered dates, even if they do pick the show up in the fall. So I will keep you abreast of that. So New York. How was New York, Mark? It was great. Uh, I did another scene on another episode of the popular show Girls. Few lines. 
but it, you know, they had teeth. It had teeth. I was a real character. I uh, I manufactured a comb over effect with my hair. Uh, I saw Elena Dunham, and we had a nice chat, and it was fun to be on a set and working with uh, Alex Karpowski, a uh, very good guy, and it was exciting. It's exciting to uh, to act. It's it's a long day. It wasn't that long. There are longer ones, but you know, you wait around, you do t- takes, and you know, you nail it. It's nice to nail it. Get a few options. Get a few options in the can. Get some coverage. But I, I it's rare that I go back to New York and I get that longing. The longing to stay in New York. You know, I spent a lot of time there, and it's odd that I get it in the middle of summer, which I think is most people's... Well, winter's pretty bad, too, but but summer's heavy, man. Humidity is upon you. You're like in a pressure cooker. You're just sort of damp and exhausted. Everybody walking through the city looks like they, they're on the way from back from doing something shameful. It just looks like one parade of shame. Just people have given up. They can't keep their hair up. They can't keep their makeup straight. They can't keep... They're not going to wear long pants. Everybody's slightly hunched, slightly dragging, and they can't hide. That's what humidity does. It melts away pretense, and you can see the true being of anybody because they're like, what? I'm hot. Leave me the fuck alone. This is who I am today. Yeah, I see you. I see you. So what did I do? I, you know, I did the girls' uh, shoot, and then I, I hung out. I did a little comedy. I went to the Eastville, the Eastville Comedy Club and did a set there in the basement there at uh, Marco's Club, and then I went over to the cellar, which I don't always do, because there's there there's some parts of your... It's, it's almost how I used to feel about the comedy store. There's some parts about you know going back to where you came from. If some of that time was not great, it's like going to, to meet the abuser. Uh, but it, I forget that I'm not that guy anymore, and I'm an older guy, and I love going to the cellar to see the boys and the girls who are doing the stand-up. Pow! Look out! I shit my pants. Just coffee.coop available at WTFpod.com. Anyways, so yeah, I wandered over to the cellar. I didn't have a spot. I didn't know if I'd get one, but uh, it was great, man. It I just it's a great place. I mean, I know you see it on Louie, but uh, there's something about, you know, being a comic and just, you know, having enough gravitas to sit back there at the table and uh, hang out with the with your with your peers and eat some food and know them who uh whose father used to run the place and own it. Manny has passed, but no one's doing it. And he's a little, he's a little less hands-on. It's a little more pleasant though. You know, I miss the old man cause I miss arguing, but, but, uh, who was there that night? Uh, Jim Norton. Good to see Jim looking healthy. Uh, who else? Keith Robinson, of course, uh, Lenny Marcus, uh, Greg Rogel was there. Um, I didn't see Louie. I went with my, uh, my, uh, producer, Brendan McDonald. We spent the, uh, the uh, evening running around, doing the comedy, eating the food. And Judd Apatow uh, is in New York shooting his new film with Amy Schumer, so he's doing stand-up. I don't know that how long it's been since he's really done stand-up, but apparently he's just been hanging out, doing the stand-up, so he was hanging around. And it's just, uh, it's pretty great. Lynn Copeland's, I, I don't know, it's just, it, it's, it's a rare thing. Ted Alexandro, it, it's just... I don't even know how to explain it because this is, you know, this is the world I live in. This is our job. But to be able to hang around, you after not seeing somebody and, and people for months and months or even years, you just sit at that back table and everybody gets caught up. And Judd Apatow sitting there, arguably one of the most powerful men in show business. But, you know, at the table, he's just a guy doing comedy and we're all having some laughs, busting balls. He's, he's a good guy. I watched him. He watched me. Apparently, I made him nervous, which I can be between me and you and him if he's listening. 
uh, that that was flattering. I was flattered that he got off stage after I watched him and he told me that I made him a little nervous. I was like, oh, okay. Because like back in the day when I was doing sets, why do I get that back in the day thing? That's getting tired. But but I used to th- I used to kick the comics out of the room. Like when I would go on at the cellar when I was uh, you know just starting out working there, I was already about eight or nine years in probably. If Attell or Louis or Mark Cohen or anyone was in the room when I went on, I'd get, the first thing I'd stay on say on stage is like, "Get out, get out! This isn't for you." I have to figure out how to talk to these people. I can't accommodate whatever's going to make you laugh. Uh, and I'd, I'd literally throw Dave Attell out <laughs> if he was in the room when I went on stage. But all in all, a good time. All in all, a good time. And the reason I like the humidity between you and I, because I've been a little, uh, a little dry, a little crazy, a little at edge, is that uh, you know you walk around for a half an hour in that type of heat with that type of humidity, and it's as close to being high as I'm going to be. You're just dazed and moving slow, and uh, I find it relaxing. And and, I, and, and it, there was a, a rainstorm. To see the clouds gather over New York City and just know it's coming. There's this beautiful, there is actually a calm before the storm. There was some sort of hurricane going on in North Carolina or uh, down on the coast. And, and, and some of it was coming up to New York and we knew it was coming. And me and Brendan are walking through the street and start to drizzle. But you could see that you could feel the cool, weird breeze and the clouds collecting in the sky. And it was drizzling. We're trying to get over the cellar from little italy so we're just trying to make it before whatever the fuck is going to happen is going to happen and we weren't there yet man and there was like drizzling and then there was nothing there was just silence and a weird breeze and a grayness that just foreboding ghostbuster sky i looked at brendan i'm like it's it's gonna happen any second because there was nothing happening there was almost a vacuum of silence and then this kapow of thunder and then a boom of lightning and then the clouds just dumped just fucking unloaded and it was glorious and there was uh there was some kids you know we're standing there in the under the awning of a supermarket trying to figure out how we're going to get the three blocks without being you know wet for the evening and then there were these two little kids that didn't give a shit and they were just dancing in the rain dancing around getting soaked laughing and i thought to myself God, why aren't we doing that? Why? Why are we not doing that? That's a good question. But right now, uh, you're going to experience a first conversation with me and a and a, a very big comedian, very popular comedian. Uh, I don't know if you know Gabriel Iglesias, but um, he comes out of a scene that, that I know nothing about, really. And um, I was excited to talk to him. And his movie is out Friday. That's the uh, the Fluffy movie. Comes out uh, this this Friday the eleventh. And and you'll I'll explain the Fluffy thing. You know what? He'll explain it because he had to explain it to me. The uh, what would you call it? Is it the etymology of Fluffy? When has that ever been said? All right, let's talk to Gabriel. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something 
to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Glacius. Gabriel Glacius, I don't know if we've ever met, really. I, I can't say that we have. It's so fucked up. I mean, I've been doing comedy for 25 years, and everywhere I go, you know, they're like, no, oh, yeah, Gabriel Glacius just sold out the, 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 the entire city. <laughs> Gabriel Glacius was right here. We had to turn people away. I don't know why there's 12 people here. Glacius was just here. We, yeah, we had to add a week. That's who you are. I've, I've been very fortunate. <laughs> very, very fortunate. Th things are going good, man. No, it, no complaints. But, I mean, how long have you been doing it? Uh, this is my 17th year. So it's been a long fucking time. Yeah, yeah. I've been on the road for uh, since day one. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the road 40 plus weeks out of the year. So you started when you were a kid. 20 years old. Well, where'd you grow up? Uh, long Beach. You grew up in Long Beach? Yeah. Your mom and dad are down there? No, unfortunately, my mom is no longer with us. I'm and sorry. I, uh, I barely see my dad. But uh, no, I mean, I, Long Beach is where I grew up. Uh, I started off in San Diego, you know, lived, spent most of my life in Long Beach, and that's still where how, I how many How many kids in the family? Uh, I'm the last of six. So it's big. That's decent size. <laughs> For a Mexican family, actually six is, is right around the average. Big Catholic family. Uh, in my mom's case, yes and then no, because uh, <laughs> I wasn't raised Catholic. I was raised just, uh, you know, be good to people. Right, right. There was no real religion. Oh, in you house. didn't have that? No, my, for, my, for my brother and sisters, hardcore Catholic to the point where they were sent to like a Catholic boarding school in Mexico. And then my mom with me, I was like, uh, f there's 15 years between my sister and myself. So I was the one that got regular public school and uh, I got so, to teach. So they were like, well, maybe maybe things relaxed. They got the hang of it or were you, were they, why? was your brother and sister where your mother was more catholic when she was younger i, I still couldn't you know to this day I, I don't know exactly what happened there i mean there was a whole different life before i came about really oh yeah i mean uh my my brother and four sisters came from one dad and i came from the bonus dad from my mom's uh, oh. uh you know fun weekend oh really yeah oh yeah i heard you talk about that on stage didn't yeah, you? yeah oh that's interesting so i mean hey it, it worked out so what about the other dad? Is he around still? No, he died a long time ago. Oh, really? A long time ago. I can't even imagine boarding school in Mexico. I mean, what do you got to do? <laughs> <laughs> Find a way to get out of there. That's what you got to do, man. But but so you grew up in this weird family in the sense that there was that much time between you and your brothers. Are you close with them? No, not anymore. Uh, comedy does things. It either brings everybody together or you become that guy that, uh, oh, you changed. You're not the same. They say that to you. Yeah. Oh, you're Hollywood now. How am I? I'm on the road freaking earning a you're living. You're making a living, right. You know, and so then, uh, I'm Hollywood until they need a loan and uh, then I'm Bunko the Fluffy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So that, then it changes. Where, where did this fluffy thing come come from? Oh, it's a nickname that started what fifteen, sixteen years ago. And at the end of my show, nobody remembered Gabriel Iglesias, but they remembered, oh, hey, fluffy. fluffy. Uh -huh. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and at first, it bothered the hell out of me because it was a really cute joke in the beginning. And then it just it grew. And then I just learned to embrace it, and then just brand it. Uh -huh. And I started branding it that far back to where now, if you Google fluffy, I'm the number one search. So you were that aware of it early on that fluffy was the thing. It, it stuck. And yeah. it, it, you got to be one of those guys that you you got to realize when you catch lightning in a bottle and, and this is something that people automatically gravitate to. I got to expose that. I got to work on that. I got to keep working on it. That 
the uh, Hawaiian shirt thing, always wearing shorts, keeping a, a um, something that is consistent. Right. Those guys that always change their look, always change their appearance. They they add a, a special. Yeah, I was one of those guys. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't go down to one name though. You know, like, you yeah, remember yeah. the 80s, or was it like, just, isn't it? just Jose, you know, or whatever. It's just like, him. Yeah, you know, but like, there was a couple of one-namers, like Mitch Hedberg briefly was Mitch. Was just Mitch, because yeah, yeah, there was no other Mitches out there. Yeah, right. But I mean, it, you, I, you, I was never that conscious of looking for hooks, and then subsequently, I, you know, I'm not releasing a movie. <laughs> but I, I don't think it's just because I, I didn't have a hook. So, so you grow up, so most of the other kids were out of the house? Yeah, well, everybody everybody was gone by the time I showed up. I mean, you know, you got to figure I was probably two years old when my sister finally decided to move out of the house. And so it was basically like growing up as a, as like an only child. My brother and sisters were more like cousins that would just, you know, show up every now and then because they were off doing their own thing. So it was just your mom? It was just my mom and me. Where'd cool. they all end up, your brothers and sisters? Uh, most of them are in California. My um, second oldest sister got in the Air Force. Oh, and yeah. So she took off. She's in Germany. Wow. And the and the other they just have regular jobs. And the other ones, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly. I think my brother's a truck driver. One of my sisters got into real estate, which you saw yeah. what happened. Yeah. Uh, the other one works for an optometrist. So and it's just uh, regular jobs. Yeah, yeah. Everything, and and cool. you're the rock star. Uh, well, I'm the one that took chances. Yeah. So when when so your mother was always supportive of the the, the thing. My mom was supportive of whatever it was that would make you happy. Uh, she was very realistic in that. You know, most parents, they push their kids to get A's and get A's and get B's and, and go to college and do, I mean, really putting a lot of like uh, pressure on a kid to, you know, you got to get to this level. Whereas my mom was like, look, if you want to make me happy, just graduate high school and whatever you want to do with your life after that, I'll support it, whatever it is. And really? Like, yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I graduated high school with like C's and D's. Yeah. But, so, uh, so your options were limited. They, I, I guess so. But I, she, <laughs> she knew that I, I always wanted to become a comic, and yeah. so she was. Very when did much you know that? Ten years old. Seriously, ten years old. Because of who? I saw Eddie Murphy Raw in 1987, and uh, two weeks later, I did a school talent show, and I was just doing impressions of Eddie Murphy without uh-huh. without the cussing, obviously, uh-huh. and it went over very well. And uh, right then and there, I was like, you know what? I want to be a comic. Uh huh. And I was always talking about this. And uh, what, what you do you know, think the feel? Wait, wait, do you think uh, uh, when you first saw it? Because I know my experience when I first saw comics was like they got it figured out. They got a handle on this. They, you know, they have control. They can make people laugh. They it's, know how to look at the world. They made me feel better. That got, that's got to be the greatest job in the world. Yeah. And I when I saw that, I'm like, wow. They, they everybody loves them. The energy. The everyone's happy. You know, I wanted to be him so bad. Uh huh. And I'm like, oh, this is this is what I. And want. you weren't a fucked up kid. You know, uh, I grew up. I mean, hey, broken homes. I mean, I didn't grow up with my dad. I grew up with my mom. Uh, we didn't live in the greatest neighborhood, but yeah. I mean, I didn't know I was poor. My mom was very conscious of the fact that she didn't want me to think that that we were poor. She would just tell me stuff like, uh, uh, "You were bad, and that's why you didn't get what you wanted because you were bad, not because we couldn't afford it." Right, right. And then later so on, so you in were life, bad a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> she, she made me she made me feel guilty a lot, and, but it kept me from knowing that we were financially is, not. Is, is it pretty broad scale of bad? You know, like I mean, like you know, you were bad. You you know, you no, didn't real t- minor things. Oh, you didn't clean your room. Exactly. You were bad. That's yeah, it. you're no, not getting you anything. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, I didn't get into too much trouble as a kid. I mean, there were rough neighborhoods, and from time to time, I was caught doing, you know, maybe some graffiti or. Uh, oh yeah, you, you were know, a tagger? Dump, dumping over it. Not even a tagger because I didn't even have a name. It was just like you fluffy. know, like, like at the time I didn't have fluffy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, a just, hell of a tag. You know, just drawing, you know, stupid little sure. cartoons on a wall or something. It wasn't even like a professional, like with a can of Krylon or anything. Yeah, it was yeah. just you know, it was minor stuff. And, yeah. Uh, 
But you didn't hang out with a bad crowd. My, I tried to, but my mom always kept me inside. Oh yeah, that was that was her thing. She'd oh, keep me inside no matter what. She's like, no, you can't go play with Sniper and Spider. Get your ass in the house. Just and, because their names were Sniper and Spider. Yeah. Oh man, it was it was one of those neighborhoods where everybody had a nickname. Oh really? Mm-hmm. What was going on down there? Uh, well, it was on the border of. Uh, east side and west side of long beach uh-huh. and uh so all the gangs would always have their fights basically in my neighborhood were there a big gang presence there uh you know as a kid for me I, i'd always hear the gunshots oh really i never saw anyone get shot See, i have no sense of that area mm. yeah i mean i've been in neighborhoods where that's going on you're like what was that was that a celebration or someone <laughs> yeah <going> right <laughs> cinco de mayo <laughs> wait it's not cinco de mayo Listen, someone must be hurt <laughs> no, it, it was it was it was a rough neighborhood. Uh, uh, the the neighbor's kid got killed. Uh, I didn't see that, but you know, the, you I, knew. I, I remember the funeral. Gunned down? Uh, no, he jumped on the hood of a car and uh, somebody shook him off, and he wound up getting thrown. He jumped on the hood of a car. Too. He jumped on the hood of a car, and then the guy just you know he drove and, and uh, drove with him on the hood, and then slammed on the brakes. And because that was the fight, he was fighting a car. Well, whoever it was, it was in the car. <laughs> I guess everybody pissed. Anytime you're mad enough to jump on the hood of a car, something went down. So, you, but your mother was pretty. It wasn't pretty, like fighting Autobots or anything. Yeah. You know? No, I know, I know. How do you end up on the hood of a car moving? That's that's tricky. So, like, uh, so your mother was always protective of, uh, of of you. Extremely protective of me. Always kept me inside. I mean, uh, I was a little bit sheltered in the beginning. She wouldn't let me see what was out there and. Uh, you know, I love her more for that because she did keep me away from a lot of the bad elements. Yeah, it's, and, it's hard to do that. And she definitely encouraged dreaming and, and just being happy. That was her thing. Just, you know, whatever makes you happy, Michael, you go and you, you know, whatever yeah, yeah. you want to do. Well, how did she explain your dad? Um, you know, I didn't really have a lot of questions about my dad. I, why, I mean, why is that? I guess because my mom really filled the shoes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like there was like, oh man, there's nobody here to help me with this or that. My mom had to play double roles. Right. And it was to the point where, uh, <laughs> I remember doing this a lot, on Father's Day, I would actually give my mom a Father's Day card and I'd say, hey, thank you for being my mom and my dad because, you know, you were there and yeah. I didn't feel like I lacked anything. Right. But you never you never wondered or had a longing or- oh, I knew the story about my dad, him being a mariachi in Mexico and of course, you know, the mariachi lifestyle, he's out there traveling the world, entertaining. Where'd and- your mom meet the mariachi? I know you might have covered this, but oh, I, I think uh- <laughs> it's sort of interesting because mariachi music, it's like, you just think- because as a comic, I mean, we both fucking know. You've been living this life a long time. You know what the road is. But, you know, one of the things that you don't necessarily think is like mariachis are just these out of control fucking, you know, yeah, road you, you, warriors. <laughs> you know, just these road pigs that are out there. Like, you can't yeah. see them turn up hotel rooms and, right, you know, but they do. over benches. I'm and, sure they do. Hey, man, it's it's entertainment. That's why I have a, a strong connection to uh, professional wrestling. Because it's like, yeah, it's entertaining, but I run into these guys all the time at the hotels and the airports. Yeah. And it's the same lifestyle. It's the exact same lifestyle. So she, mm-hmm. where did she meet him in Mexico? She met him in uh, in Tijuana at, uh, at some nightclub. One was she night. living down there? No, she was living in San Diego. Oh, and, she uh, drove. Oh, yeah, yeah, she got into a big uh, fight with her husband, and it was one of those "You'll never do better than me." And yeah, like, really? Yeah. And then freaking next thing you know, she's across the border with her friends at some nightclub, and <laughs> that's where she met my dad. My dad was performing that night, and uh, you know they hooked so, up, and nine months later, I, I showed up out of spite. And it's fight. You know what? Whatever it takes. That's why I, <laughs> hey, I don't judge women that, that do. Hey, if you're not happy in your relationship and you take off. I'll show him. The ultimate, I'll show him. Yeah. So how? So what? What happened? When? They, how long did that they, marriage um, last? They they hooked up. They didn't get married. They no, no. But I mean, with they, the they, other they, husband. Oh, the the marriage uh, fizzled a little bit after that. After I mean, you I, were was, born, was, or was, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I didn't know this that there was a lot of. Um, you know, just uh, friction with my 
brother and sisters towards me. I didn't realize that there was that little that sense of uh, uh, that you represented a betrayal. Yeah. So I mean, later on in life, I kind of I started catching it more and more. But you know, as a kid, you don't you don't look for signs like that. You're just there and you're doing your thing. But uh, yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. Um, yeah, the, they wound up getting a divorce, and then my mom and dad hooked up for uh, for a couple years, and then uh, oh, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they were living together, and my dad wanted to actually take us to Mexico uh-huh. and have a life over there, and my mom was like, "No, we're gonna stay here." And he's like, "Well, I gotta go back home," and she's like, "Well, you gotta do what you gotta do." So it wasn't like he just left and that was it. There was there was he more tried. to it. Yeah, he he did he did try, and so my mom did tell me that. So there was never like this. Oh, I hate my dad, or how dare he? It was just you know that was his life over there. Yeah, and nobody. No, I, I, there's not many people that are that are gonna jump the states to go back to Mexico. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he had a pretty good gig. So I mean, but was he like? Is he a citizen here though? Is what I'm, what, no, he was. Yeah. A, he's a citizen of the right. So of the, the the choice between San Diego and going to have a life in Mexico, I imagine, given you know what you wanted opportunities for you. Was probably a big, cho- you know, easy mm-hmm. choice. Well, he's gonna- and, and also too, uh, to his credit, I mean, he was he was very successful in, in what he did, and uh-huh. he came from a very big family. I mean, there was over thirteen kids in that yeah. family, and most of them were musicians, and uh, there was a few uh, politicians and a couple of uh, uh, priests. Oh yeah, in that family. So everybody, everybody they got it all was, covered. Yeah, they were <laughs> they, they were covered. So <laughs> it wasn't like they he needed to come here to the sure. promised land to make it you know happen and stuff like and, that. He, he had a good gig. And you, what, did you meet him? Uh, as a, as a kid, I remember just little images of you know him trying to teach me how to play a guitar or how to you know how to how to do the sign of the cross when you're you know yeah. in church and stuff. But uh, no, that was that was about it. And then, really? Yeah. And then thirty some odd years later, he shows up at the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, and uh, the, the manager Richard comes up to me and he goes, "Hey, are we picking up your dad's tab in the back?" I go, "What are you talking about?" Uh, he goes, "Yeah, your your dad's in the back of the room." I go. I haven't seen my dad in over 30 years. I go, it's just some guy trying to get free food and free drinks. And he goes, oh, okay, we'll cut him off. And then after the show was over, I, I go outside and I'm taking pictures and signing DVDs with the fans. And my dad gets in line with the fans. And then my wow. manager goes to the back of the line. She comes to me. She goes, listen, Gabe, I think I think uh, your dad's in the back of the line. And I'm like, shut up. You too? How long goes, ago was this? This was uh, so a couple years ago. And it, it turned out to be him, and I just I freaked out, and we wound up uh, having dinner the next day there at the comedy club. And how'd you uh, freak out? Were you, I, I did freak out. I freaked out. Uh, I mean, I was what, uh, anger, uh, sadness, everything, weirdness, everything, because it's like you know I haven't seen this guy in thirty some odd did years. You cry so a little bit. I, I got emotional. Yeah, I got emotional. So I mean, it was wow. a combination of uh, excited, upset, uh, just just real, just charged up. I was, yeah. I was I was rushed. I was like I wanted to hit him and hug him. So it was like it was really weird, you know? Yeah, to have everything hitting you at the same. I mean, if I would have been stoned, forget it, man. Who knows what would have happened but wow so so he's <laughs> there and, and like were people around or did you go inside or uh it was just uh it was him his friend and uh my girlfriend and myself and i, I you know I, I didn't want to meet him alone so i had my girl there with me and plus uh you know he only speaks spanish and my spanish is pretty decent but yeah. you know to get into the real technical real deep where the hell were you type yeah. words uh i needed a little backup so my girl was there she watches a lot of telemundo <laughs> <laughs> and she translated your emotional she, yeah yeah anytime i, I had a I, I, like I'd what kind of question you know what what was going through your mind during that time that, that made you want to leave and so words like that for me i was kind of like trying to think okay i've never asked anyone something like that in spanish so i'm more like hey you know donde está el baño uh, you know my, my Carne asada, yeah, can yeah, I get yeah. un limón, una soda? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how to get real technical with the words. So this this happened at dinner or right when he the, the night he came? Well, when, the night he came, I didn't uh, I didn't see him or meet him that night just because it-, it Did you look? He caught me off like, guard. Holy fuck. I saw him from a distance. Yeah. And 
you know, it's like, how do I meet my fans and just try to take the compliment? Keep it hey, together. Hey, good show. Can you sign my DVD? Yeah, Make it out like, to Charles. That's my dad. You know, and then, you know, see that because I freaked out and somebody saw me and they go, are you okay? And I said, Look. and I started repeating it over and over. I said, my dad's here. My dad, I was freaking out. I was like, my dad's here. My dad's here. And they're like, well, that's good. Your dad's here to support you. And I'm like, no, I haven't seen him in 30 years. And they're like, awkward. That is crazy, man. <laughs> so. So you planned dinner. Uh, we planned dinner for the next day, and uh, it, it, he answered a lot of questions. And uh, he told me I had two sisters in Mexico, and uh, you know, just can we see each other again? And and he told me he doesn't want any money. He's he's doing very well. He just wants to have a relationship that he didn't have. Wow. And um, it, it was kind of we saw each other a few times after that. You and did? Then, yeah, yeah. We had dinner and uh, just trying to talk. And he really wanted me to go to Mexico. Still, you got to go meet your sisters. I'm like, I don't talk to the ones I got now. I don't got time for new ones. <laughs> and uh, that would, but it, it, isn't some part of you think that might be interesting? Uh, yes, Have you spent but, time in Mexico? No, but you know what, man? Uh, there's too much stuff going on in yeah, Mexico. Yeah, I know. It's scary. And you don't want to get kidnapped. I, that's the last thing I want is to get kidnapped. Right. I, like for me, I'd rather go to Iraq. Right, because you're a public Afghanistan. figure. I mean, you would be a target. Mm-hmm. Most likely. What part of Mexico do you live in? Uh, Agua Caliente, uh-huh. Mexico, which I think is over towards more like towards the bottom of Texas. But that must it must be profound to uh, just like did you get some closure? Do you have? Did it give you some? Peace I, I did. Or? I did, and uh, I just I appreciated the fact that you know he said that him and my mom were actually in love which which was nice he goes you, you gotta know he goes you were actually made out of love it wasn't like we just hooked up and that was it he goes you know i loved your mom and she loved me and, and i was just like oh my god that's why i started getting all you know yeah, yeah, choked yeah, yeah, up yeah and i think that's probably what really pissed off my brother and sisters is that you know <laughs> wait later <laughs> they did well they, they didn't get conceived under the same circumstances <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> yeah, you're right there wasn't love i think theirs was more like budweiser or, uh-huh. or something like oh, that. that guy was a monster huh <laughs> the other husband yeah, well, I mean that. I mean, I can't even imagine what that'd be like because you know I've had fights with my father. You don't talk for if I don't talk to him for six months, and then we get back together, it's sort of like, ugh. but yeah. But I mean, mm-hmm. but he missed your whole childhood. Yeah, and, and so but he mean, must be proud. He he is, and uh, you know I, I know he wishes he could have been there to see more. But then he tells me he says, "Look, everything happens for a reason. Who knows what's to say that uh, I wouldn't have done something that would have led you in a different direction, and you wouldn't be here now." You believe that? I believe in the the whole butterfly effect, definitely. Sure, sure. You know, something happens and it right. triggers it. But but you, there was there part of you like, well, that's a good rationalization, you know. I mean, it, it, <laughs> hey, I'm in a, an amazing place now, and and uh, you know, if, if things would have been different, then this would have been different. So sure. I can't get too upset. So uh, he probably wanted me to be a singer, a oh, singer yeah. or politician or a, a priest. priest. Yeah, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'll, I'll, I'll do mariachi music when I'm doing shots of tequila and I'm at some karaoke bar yeah. freaking Fargo or something. Right. Did you ever see him play? You never saw him play. I never got to see him play, but I have heard his uh, music. I've I've got uh, a lot of his old albums. Oh, he put out um, a lot of records? He put out, yeah, a bunch of, you know, it's not like they went global or anything. Right. But, you know, when you're holding a record and it's got his name on it, it's, it's pretty cool. And is he good? He's pretty good. Yeah? He's pretty good. He's got a great voice. Yeah? That's fucking amazing, man. It's amazing to know that you come from... From, from actual... Oh, from creative people. Mm-hmm. From show business people. I mean, you know, it's weird. You know, that, a lot of that stuff, you don't think it's genetic. But, but you know, you, you, you're you a hell of a showman. And, you know, you come from a guy who was, uh, you know, he was an entertainer. He was, he was an entertainer. And uh, I have an uncle uh, who was an actual comedian in Mexico. Who uh, His name was Pompin Iglesias. Uh, he did TV film stand up i mean you name it he did everything uh, there is to do in mexico he had you know uh, you know 
a bunch of sponsorships. So he was always doing commercials for, you, you know, whatever products or uh-huh. cars or whatever. And uh, he was very funny. Did you ever look up his stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can Google him. It's really interesting that, like, you know, because a lot of, like, uh, you know, white people, they're going to make fun of Telemundo or whatever, or the, the sort of broad comedy, like Content Floss, you know, from years ago. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So like it's it there's a it's a it's an int- do you do you feel connected in any way to that tradition of 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 delivery you know uh, like well, I'm, I'm not trying I'm not trying school to... delivery of in, the way they did it in Mexico uh, it's more long story with a big punchline at the end right. versus consistent joke 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 like if right. I'm talking for three minutes and I don't get a laugh. You know what? I, I might need to shorten that talking and, and throw a couple punches in there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a long. But time. you do long form. I, I do long form definitely, but there's laughs every yeah, thirty yeah, yeah, seconds. Yeah. So like, you, so the the classic way would be tell a really long story and then go whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eh, Pepito, buen hombre. It's funny though. It is funny. It is. It is silly. You hear a lot of that like in uh, morning radio shows that they do here in L.A. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, which is this long story, and then at the end, and then you hear the canned laugh track but you didn't, you didn't really grow up with spanish in the house so uh from my mom i did i did until i was about six years old and then uh you know she wanted to make it you know she didn't want to make it hard for me in school so she said listen from now on i'm going to speak to you in english because i want to make sure that you're you know you don't have any problems in school right because originally they stuck me in an esl program they put me in an english as a second language program when i was about five six years old because just you know my last name was Iglesias and they'd hear my mom speaking Spanish and they just assumed oh okay he needs to learn English because he only speaks Spanish and I'm like I spoke English you know so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was I was cool but yeah just growing up my mom wanted me to make sure that I didn't have any issues right and when 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 did you start actively you know pursuing the comedy thing uh, April tenth nineteen ninety seven I got pushed up on stage in uh, in Long Beach by a friend of mine. Uh, they needed an MC. Uh, the MC didn't show up, and I had always talked about wanting to be a comic. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, "Dude, man, they need an MC. Just go up there, crack a couple jokes. This would be a good chance for you to get up there." And I'm, I was scared. Yeah. And he pushed me up there, and I made fun of him for the crowd saw him push me up there, and I cracked maybe two or three jokes, and I got laughs, and uh, that was it. I got the bug right there. Uh-huh. And then somebody saw me, and um, they actually had a comedy room there at that same place on Wednesday nights. And he goes, "Hey, man, you do comedy?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah." You know, real kind of like, "Yeah." I yeah. was trying to tell him that was my first time. He goes, hey, man, you come back on Wednesday, man. I'll give you 20 bucks. You know, do 10 minutes. And I'm like, are you serious? First paid gig already. And uh, I didn't have 10 minutes, man. I had <laughs> I had what I had at that yeah. moment. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So what'd you do? I, I winged it. I winged it for 10 minutes. And what, I crowd work? A lot of crowd work. Yeah. A lot of crowd work. But, you know, I was being silly, making some voices and stuff. And it just, it worked. How old were you? Uh, you got to figure 90. I was 20. And what were you, were you working after you graduated high school? What were you doing? Yeah, man. After high school, I uh, had a couple jobs. I worked over at um, Robinson's May. Uh, it later became Macy's. Yeah. I used to work doing tele- telemarketing and stuff like that. I'd uh, uh, answer phone calls, yeah. uh, you know, customer service, whatever, you know, whatever they needed and stuff like were that. Were you in hell? Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a good gig. I mean, I was in an office. I had a, a tie on. I, I'd show up to work and everybody was friendly. Uh, I'm talking to people. All I'm doing all day is talking. So, I mean, for me, I, I enjoyed it. It was yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm interacting with people. So right. it, it was it was nice. From there, I went on to, uh, um, I worked for a company called LA Cellular. Later on, they came uh, became AT&T. Uh, the, you remember the first cellular phone company yeah, here yeah. in town? It was yeah. AirTouch at LA Cellular. And uh, I was selling 
cell phones inside of a Walmart in a kiosk. Oh my God. So I did that for a couple of years and it was actually a pretty good gig. You figure I was 20 years old. I was making probably $4,500 a month. Oh, I didn't yeah. have any responsibilities. Uh, combination of commissions and, and you know, and just it was regular a new salary. thing. So you could, everybody wanted one. Yeah. And I had a free phone that was unlimited. Yeah. So I didn't have to worry about that bill. My <laughs> rent was 350 I had a roommate. We were stealing cable. I had a really cool black box that just, you know, <laughs> yeah. we didn't have to worry about that. And this was in San Diego? No, this was in, in, Long, uh, Beach. in Long Beach. Yeah, yeah. Signal yeah. Hill area. So, I mean, it was, life was good. Yeah. So to give up that $4,500 a month and, uh, cause I was burning the candle at both ends. Once I started doing stand up, I was finding every single little room I could hit. What were those LA. rooms then? Uh, man, at the time it was, uh, this place in Montebello called, uh, Wild Coyote. It had yeah. another name called Gotham and Prime Cut. I mean, the, every year the guy would change the name. Well, what kind of rooms were those? I never heard of those. Ghetto rooms. hood rooms, man. I mean, these, these were like, they were biker bars. Uh huh. But like yeah. what kind of hood? They were Latino rooms? Yeah. Or they, oh, oh, yeah. 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 I, oh, I did all the Latino rooms early on. Yeah. That's all I knew. You know, that, um, that's why I, I say. So like, I don't know anything about that world. Like, um, I mean, literally on my show, and to a fault, I mean, I've done 500 episodes. I've had Carlos in here. Mm-hmm. I've had Willie in here. Is, is this uh, the room where he bared his soul to you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it took two episodes to do that. I, I, yeah, I, I got bullshit. I heard him. The heard bullshit him. the first episode. And then, and then, okay, then, this is what I really meant to say. And then he just came un, unglued a little bit. <laughs> so I had Barsena in here and Trevino. Hey, but bro. Like, uh, Barsena is great, though, right? That's as real as it gets. Yeah. That's his. You know exactly <laughs> where you stand with Willie Barsena. You know? Was he a love guy? Him, when love him or hate him? That's, you get exactly what you get. Was he a guy when you started? Uh, yeah, actually, that room that uh, was in Montebello was his room. It was his room and Felipe Esparza's. And uh, I would show up there on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and Willie's like, hey, put up the vacuum, bro. And uh, I'd go up there, and I, you know, hey, little chubbies, chubsy wubsy. He'd always call me chubsy wubsy. Oh, boy. And uh, I'd go up and do, you know, my five to seven minutes just being silly. But, like, know? I don't even know who the guys were. I don't even know who the guys are. And, I, you know, I feel bad about it because there's a whole world of Latino comedy that I don't know who they are. Who are they? Back in the day, there was a few. There was a handful. When I first started, there was a handful. There was a, everybody looked up to Willie. Willie Barsena was the guy just because, you know what? Uh, he had been on The Tonight Show. And that was huge. You know, yeah. He had been on Leno's show like five, six times. Yeah. And, uh, I recognized Felipe Esparza because Felipe had been on the Latino Laugh Festival on Showtime. So I remember those faces. And then uh, that's where I also met Joy Medina. Joy Medina, uh, by the way, probably gave me the greatest advice ever what? as a comic. When he saw me performing, I was really, really dirty. Yeah. And he goes, you know what, bro? He goes, you're likable. He goes, just cut out the cuss words, man, and uh, more windows and doors are going to open for you. Uh-huh. And that was the best advice I did. I cut out all the, you know, all the F-bombs and stuff in my show. And next thing you know, you know, I'm, I'm working everywhere. And those are, and, and like, because now who do you see? Like, you know, I well, I, I think like obviously Lopez was huge. Mm-hmm. And like, cause it, like, it was you, always the guys. It was, it was like Paul Rodriguez, Lopez, Mencia, Pablo Francisco. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Freddie Soto uh, back uh, in the day. Freddie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's because there's like to me there's like there's it. If you really think about the breakdown of 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 what the country is, is like the Latino population is humongous. Mm-hmm. And and it's same with black comics too. In me, it's sort of like how, I don't know how to how do I get to those guys. Do I just call, you know, like, what, like, and I know maybe it's, it, maybe I'm being lazy or what, but it just seems complicated. Like, there's a whole world of comedy out there that I don't fucking know anything about. Mm. Like, the Latino circuit, I don't know any of those guys, but there's a circuit, right? There's there's definitely a circuit. I mean, I, I 
like I said, back then it was a handful. So everybody knew who was doing what. There was, you know, guys like guys that I would roll uh, around were like uh, Willie Barcena, Felipe, yeah. uh, Joy Medina, Alex Remundo back then, uh, Gilbert Esquivel, Rudy Moreno always had a room. Uh, there was guys like Sebastian Satina who had their own little comedy rooms and stuff like that. And what that. was and the so, tone? Was it usually, you know, like neighborhood oriented family stuff? Or? It, it, that's exactly what it was. It was very local humor. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the security guard at King Taco? Oh my God, that guy's got more ammunition than a federale in Mexico. You know, really? I mean, stuff like that. Yeah. It was very, very local. And very, there was no like, you know, thinky guys or like, you know, like weird guys where you're like, what's a, that guy? There was a to? couple heady guys, but no, nobody understood him. Nobody really wanted to deal with them. You know, like, oh, really? You're trying to make me think? You know, talk, talk, hey, talk about the Dodgers, bro. You know, talk about this. There's a lot of pressure. That. Yeah. I mean, to, to, and, and if all you're doing is this little area, then why, why try to think outside of that but also just the fact that like that it, it was community driven in in, in tone that the, the relatable things were, were family issues local issues mm-hmm. like there was a, a sort of a tone to the culture that that people were looking to identify and there was a lot of spanish involved too so there was oh, yeah? my, my sets there was a lot of uh spanglish uh-huh you know yeah 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 so you yeah. say a joke and then you just add a little tu sabes lo que estoy diciendo, verdad? and they're like ah he's speaking <laughs> you know and if those white people there like, it was kind of like the ricky ricardo syndrome where we don't know what he's saying but it's really funny when he, ricky snaps yeah you know so so, was, so that was part of it that was part of your act early yeah on. yeah i was doing a lot of spanish a lot of voices characters uh like i said i was dirty early on until uh, i started changing that up and then, w- then the fluffy thing happened and i just wrote but were you were always were you were always heavy uh, yeah, yeah, I really, and you know, when I first started, I was, um, you, be, you were bigger. No, when yeah. I first, when I, well, but yeah. No, but you, you, now you were good. I I'm, mean, I'm down it. about a hundred, about 110 pounds. Holy fuck. Yeah, I know. Uh, How much did you get up to? <laughs> I got up to about 440, 445. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, hey, the road was good. <laughs> 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 you know, when I, when I first started, I was probably around around the weight that I am right now, which right. is about 330. Yeah. And, you know, being a person who you're struggling every day to try to get just you know make ends meet in the beginning and then you get into this position where i what i can eat out every single day yeah well, i'm like why even cook at home and don't get me wrong it wasn't like i was eating at these great restaurants right but i was eating fast food and enjoying it yeah. every single night for yeah. oh, 13 14 years before my body eventually said dude really like that's why when I watch that movie Supersize Me and that guy goes on and he's yeah. oh 30, 30 days my body's like oh my god I can't yeah. take it I'm like dude days. try twelve years pussy <laughs> you, know yeah. I mean? you don't know about putting damage on your body yeah but did it get to a point where the doc was like dude oh that's exactly where it got it got to the point where four forty four forty I'm uh, how did you walk was it hard to walk you know what believe it or not at four forty I was still pretty limber I mean uh, I'm a big dude but uh, I'm pretty solid underneath man yeah. I got I, you know yeah I, I can I can squat about four hundred uh, oh really with in addition to the weight that I got <laughs> going on uh, yeah I worked the leg press pretty good but um, I had no problems getting around my yeah. knees started taking uh, I needed surgery on my knees I, yeah. I messed up my knees really bad started getting cortisone shots on a regular basis. And then um, I'm type two diabetic, and my sugar was like 300 plus every morning. Did you was, get that, or were you always that? No, no, no. I got that from all the years of yeah. you know, eating shit, eating everything, man. Yeah. And then so between the, all the eating and then the drinking, and then just uh, it just escalated to where it was like, you know what? This is not going to end well if I keep this up. And I'm I'm going somewhere really good, and if I want to enjoy it, I better do something about right, it. Right, you don't want to be that have that thing. You yeah, know, finally get to the top of the world and be like, I can't, I need a chair, uh, freaking die in the toilet. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. just what I need. Yeah, but okay, so you're doing all the Latino rooms when you're starting out. You're 20 years old, and you're getting your chops in place. So when did you cross over? 
there was a there was a couple TV shows out back then that that really you know showcased comics. There was a the show on Comedy Central called Premium Blend. Yeah. And uh, for Latinos, there was a show on uh, the Galavision Network called Que Locos. Que Locos was a Spanish. Uh, the Galavision Network was Spanish speaking, but the comedy show was in English. And George Lopez was a was a host, and I got to appear on the show many times. So it was like the Latino Def Jam. That's exactly what it was. Right. That's exactly what it was. And um, the network would rerun that show five times a day. And they'd also run commercials for a tour. And so I was always on TV. At what age? So this, uh, like when, how? 21, 22. So you're two years in. Yeah. And and you're you're getting this. It's getting all this, yeah. Traction. Because you're on fight. There's that kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no, that, there that kid. And yeah. it, was, it was always the, the chubby kid with the Hawaiian shirt who makes noises. Real friendly. But was that a choice you made early on, or, or just because of that you're like, I better keep the Hawaiian shirt on? You know what? I, I like I said, the whole fluffy thing, the Hawaiian shirt and the shorts, those three things from the beginning. From the beginning, you just knew that it was a it, it was branding. You know, that was one thing I learned. Yeah, I don't working. know anything about that, but I'm, well, yeah. well, when I was uh, working over at Robinson's May, you know, I'd always hang out with these guys from the marketing department, and they're always talking about branding and branding and branding. And anytime there's a product, there's a way that you brand it. Yeah, you got to be consistent with it. And if you change it, you got to slightly change it. You can't do too much, otherwise, uh, you know. You can't go from a Ford Explorer and then all of a sudden you chop it up and now it's a different car. You got to slowly modify it. Right. You know, and that's why they said when when I started growing a goatee, I had to introduce this really slow because a lot of fans turned on me for it. They're like, wait, 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 why are you growing facial hair? Really? You've always been the clean cut. And I go, I'm just trying to go a different look. And they say that if you have facial hair, it thins down your face. I'm just trying to slim down my face. So you had to to do that on stage. Yeah. You had to say. I I explained. Yeah. And so the same thing with the weight. Because they like, I think they like when you're a heavyset guy and you got a boyish face, mm -hmm. they kind of have this, it's cuter to them. They they don't want to think you're an adult man. Yeah. I'm like, what? He's growing? Because kids hated it. Adults were like, yeah, you look more grown up. And yeah, more yeah, strict. yeah. But the kids were like, ugh. Yeah. And then going from 440 to 330, people are going, wait a minute, you're changing your image. You're not fluffy no more. I'm like, hey, relax, I'm 300 pounds. <laughs> if I lose another 100 pounds, I'm Come still going to be 200 something pounds. People actually said that to you? Yes, they're more concerned about the image than the- f- Your you know, fans. My, my, you're like, my, you know, if you lose health. too much weight, you're yeah. not going to be that kid You're not going to be fluffy no more. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, you know? that's crazy. Like, this is all I'm going to talk about. But that really happened. People yes. are like, why are you getting so skinny? Why are you losing weight? And I'm like, because I'm diabetic, because I want to live. I want to enjoy the check. So you had to address that on stage too. Yes, I had to address that. So you learn from these guys you're working with for Macy's about branding. Bra- branding, marketing, and then also too- That's I'm really a, where it happened. Back in the back in the day, yeah. And you, you were able at that point to be, you know, have the foresight, because I, I never- you knew you were in show business, and you knew that in order to get the the big payoff, that you know people got to know you, they and that know means you, you got to stay the way you are. You did that. That's something you put together. Yes, uh, there was a like I said, there was a lot of comics that we'd see that would always change their image. They were inconsistent. They you look at them on three different shows, and all three different shows they they had different looks. One time you'd have really long hair. One time short hair. Uh, one he's wearing a jersey in one. He's wearing a leather jacket in another. He's wearing a, just a regular button up in this one. So there was no consistency right there. You noticed that, yes. Yeah, and you're like, I'm the Hawaiian shirt, shorts. I'm fluffy. You know, you're gonna change. It. You're gonna change your image. You, you got to stay consistent. All right. So right out of the gate, you're doing that, and now you're two years in. How much material you got? Uh, two years in. 20 maybe maybe 20 30 minutes but now you got 20 or 30 minutes and you know you're you're becoming a a a, a known comic in, in at least a latino community mm-hmm. but, I was, I was very known in the latino community i mean obviously when i go places like richmond virginia or no but i mean you know, like early on because oh, of the gala vision yeah how many of those did you do 
uh, I want to say about five. And so that means that you're like on TV every day. And also the fact that they had me on their tour. Mike Robles, who was the executive producer of the show at the time, right? Um, he uh, he had put together this comedy tour called the Que Locos Comedy Tour, and he had Willie Barsen on it. He had a uh, uh, Carlos Oscar, uh, Gilbert Esquivel, Felipe Esparza, and myself. And so they'd run ads during the day. All you know, every every hour you'd see this commercial that would pop up on and television. That, and how many millions of people watch that? Millions of people watch that. Um, couldn't tell you, but yeah. it was enough to where I'd pull into a Burger King and they'd flip out. Yeah, fluffy. Yeah. <laughs> I was very much from the get-go just a worker. I was getting up anywhere and everywhere, and I, I hit the road early on. Yeah. Uh, Joy Medina got me my first gig on the road in uh, Bart Reed's comic strip in El Paso, Texas, and I became a regular there, and I was performing there about four, five times a year doing, uh, you know, emceeing and stuff like that. Right. And then I just picked up more gigs. Also San Antonio, that. right? Didn't you do River a lot, Center? A lot of work in San Antonio. So Texas was big. Texas was very big early on. Yeah. Um, I got to play comedy clubs there before I got a chance to touch a Laugh Factory. Huh. So okay, so the you go on the the uh, the loco tour with mm -hmm. these, and how were those crowds? Oh, they were insane. Oh, obviously it was you know it was a hundred percent you know Latino crowd, and so all that stuff that I was doing, speaking in Spanish, making yeah. local references to, to certain things, uh -huh. things that only Latinos knew, it was killing. And and so once you started doing the 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 bigger gigs and and hosting in Texas, mm -hmm. was it still primarily Latino crowds? Yes. Yes, I mean, I, uh, when you ask about when did I finally make that jump and cross over, it, it had to have happened uh, after the tour went away. And then I just uh, I started trying to do my own shows with a promoter. And, uh, you know, we do California, then we do Arizona, Nevada, Texas. Right. And I'm like, when are we going to go start playing, you know? <laughs> no. You know, no, no, this, 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 <laughs> hey, man, this is your why, why, right why here. Why push it? And, and um the crazy thing is that I was getting paid very well to do these theaters yeah. in, in the Southwest. And I'm like, you know what? I'm telling my manager, listen, I got I to gotta break out. I got to be able to play some of these other markets. And so uh, she was like, well, look, you're going to take a serious pay cut. And, you know, you're going to go from a theater. You got to go back to a club and a club that you might not even fill. And I'm like, well, I got I to gotta break the markets. That was one thing early on, too, that I heard from a promoter. He says, you got to break a market. Anytime you break a market, you're going to take a hit, but you got to go in and get people to know you so they'll talk about you. So when you come back, you start building it up, building it up. And did that goes, happen? Yes, it did. Uh, one of the first places we went was um, West Palm Beach, Florida. and um, To the improv? Yeah. And keep in now, mind, were you I, doing I, spots in, the, in town yet? Uh, in spots where, in, Here LA? in LA, yeah. Mm, yeah, but it was you know it was the Latino night. It was it was uh, Monday night at the Laugh Factory, where, right? Where Jamie you know takes off and he lets you know all the, all the Mexicans in the building. <laughs> you go, buddy. Nobody has point of view. So uh, yeah, that was only getting a couple little spots there, but I had nothing consistent going on in L.A. But when we started doing the shows in uh, in Florida. I mean, I was lucky to get in a room that sat three fifty. I was lucky to get fifty people. The now, first how was how that hit your how that hit your ego? It it did, it did, and I, I you know I kept thinking, oh, I was like, all right, do I want to do I want to do this and kind of just start over? And were the fifty people people that knew you? Were they mostly Latino people that knew you? There from? there were some Latinos in there, and some people that just they saw the video of the upcoming act. You know, they always Last play the week, video every yeah. week. So so when you went, did you start to pull the Spanish out or no? I did. I did. I, I messed up, and um, I didn't know any better. I, uh, I I went over there, and I'm just trying to do the same thing that I was doing everywhere else. And then when you start getting the looks, and you realize, you know what? They don't all understand this. That you need to you need to do material that is that is friendly enough for anyone to enjoy. Because I started running into a situation where I had more white people 
than Latinos at the show. And that was new to you. And that was very new to me. So did you feel like it must have been a weird feeling because when you're entrenched in the community, then all of a sudden, you know, you draw this line because mm-hmm. in your mind, it's like, well, we got our people here. So now you're like, it's almost like I'm behind enemy lines here. I'm like, I got to, I got to, I got to find out how they think. Yeah. They're gotta, just looking at me do... like I'm some Mexican. Uh-huh. So, so then I'm sitting there and I'm picking apart my act. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I can't do this joke. I can't do this joke. And I can't do this joke. This is not going to work. And this is not going to work. Next so thing you know, I find minutes. myself, <laughs> I, yeah, I find myself doing 12 minutes of crowd work to, to try to compensate. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was always rolling with the same crew, same group of guys that I've been rolling, you know, for the last uh, 15 years. Comics? And they had to learn as well. Like which guys? Like, uh, uh, Mar- Martin Moreno. Yeah. Uh, first time I took him. <laughs> I took so these him are your feature and your opener? Uh, he's, he's my MC. Uh, I alternate um, um, middle acts all the time. But uh, Martin's been the one that's been there since day one. And he's the same. He's doing Spanish. and he's uh, doing... Yeah, both of us. I mean, he's doing jokes about So at Walker. least you got a friend. Yeah. About what? Uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. Remember the? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he'd do jokes about gang members and yeah. these cholos, right? And he's talking yeah. like that. And, yeah. and, and we're in Richmond, Virginia, and the people are like, uh, "I'm sorry, it's, we, no, um, we don't have that uh, here." Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so did you bomb? I bombed. Really? Oh yeah, I had my sets where I was like, "Oh my god!" And horrible, you know, they're, they're, horrible. They weren't horrible. They weren't horrible. Like, no, it's a horrible feeling. It is a to, horrible to sort feeling. of be like this rock star in the Latino community. Then like you're you're like standing there in front of fifty white people sweating, and you're like, Ugh. "What'd I do?" But you always knew in the back of your head, I could go, I could live forever mm-hmm. on that circuit. But I knew eventually, you know, that's going to run out, man. You're gonna you're gonna burn your markets out, and then what? If you yeah. only got you know twelve markets that you hit. Yeah. And you can only hit them once every 18 months. Yeah. Well, so so how did you start to change? I, mean, I just what, I started doing more clubs, uh more clubs that were not in, you know, Latino. How did you start to feel your like how what was the disposition because now like when I watch your stuff now, you, you know, you you have a full identity. You know, you've brought your family into it. You mm-hmm. you know, you you're dealing with, you know, things that everybody can relate to, but at some point you had to sit down and go, well, what is common? What what do we all share mm-hmm. that they're gonna fucking you know understand? Everyone understands family. So if I pull the 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 Spanish out of this and I explain it correctly, they'll understand it. Absolutely. Is that what happened? Yes. Yes. I just I, I pulled out I pulled out the Spanish and I just started talking about things everyone can relate to. Everyone can relate to a situation with a relationship. Everyone can relate to a family event. Everyone can relate to having that crazy friend who you know yeah. oh man hey you know that one guy at the office or somebody that right. Uh, Stuff like that people can relate to. People can relate to a story of a fish out of water. So telling stories about going to places that I've never been and and, and saying, well, this was my mentality when I went in because this is what I learned. And then as it turns out, this is the way that it is. And so people, you know, they were uh, they were intrigued by that. It was it was cool. And it was stuff that everybody can relate to. Everybody can relate to being the new guy somewhere and not knowing what's going on. And do you think that, you know, because of the way, you know, you kind of make, you know, your disposition, you know, but also your brand mm-hmm. that, you know, you're this, you know, heavyset guy that and wears fluffy. these shorts. Yeah, fluffy that it was disarming. Like, like yeah, there, there, there's, there's nobody, no, you're not going to get, right. No one, you're not going to get on stage and people go like, fuck this guy. Like this guy, you know, like you, you, you're like, everybody wants to give you a hug, right? Yeah. It, it's the greatest feeling. I mean, people still to this day bring me cakes yeah. and they bring food to the shows and sodas. And yeah. Can we take you to the house? And I'm like, that's for people to want to do that. I mean, that's a, a whole different level of, of connection with, with the people. How long did it take you to build the act that could play anywhere? Mm, Got to figure by 2005, we were we were basically going anywhere in the U.S. So that's 2005, 2006. So I, almost 10 years. Yeah, it took a long time, a lot of work. Oh. So, all right, so now now 
when do you start like even becoming this? Because now you don't. At some point, you got regular spots at the Improv and regular spots at the Laugh Factory. I was getting anytime I wanted to do a Monday night, I, I had you know just make a phone call to, to show up there. But it wasn't like I could get a whole week at the Laugh Factory. Um, same thing with the Comedy Store. I'd have to show up at one o'clock in the morning to wait for somebody to you know. And you were selling out in, in Texas. Yeah, but it, you know, it didn't it didn't sure. trans, it didn't translate to to stage time here. Right. It was and like okay, well, you're on the road. You're a road comic. Was there a point where you got the respect you wanted here? Like in the world of uh, of Hollywood and the comedy, uh, there was uh, this was probably about five years ago when yeah. it finally started happening. Where I'd walk into the comedy store and they'd say, "Hey, you want to go up?" And I'm like, "I don't have time to be wait till one." Like, "No, we'll bump the next guy if you want to go up." I'm like, "You serious?" Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a big day, right? So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then, and then you got those those uh, comics that never leave that building and give you that dirty look. Yeah. Like, who the fuck? Yeah. Him? Like, really? Him? Where's he been? I've been so, I've been here every night I've, for five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hanging out here waiting for, uh, what is the name? William Appervaya that would show Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Only comics know who he is. Yeah. Um, but um, Did you have a crew here? Did you hang out with uh, with Carlos or those guys? Um, I'd run into Carlos every blue moon when there'd be some major event. Because, you know, despite, you know, whatever, you know, his horrible legacy is in, in terms of the, you know, uh, the community, like, he was a real businessman, too. I mean, like, you know, when I talked to him, it was like, very, holy fuck, Very, very business. We have the same agent, and um, he, anytime I'd hear about Mencia on the road, it was very much, it was a business, you know, he'd, he'd, uh, he'd do his thing. The and thing with the computer, with merge, the, with and then the recordings. The recordings, that was fucking you know, genius. Stuff like that, Actually, so, like that, he'd have them available by the end of the night yeah recording cds crazy. from that same show take yeah. home the same cd that you just heard take home the same show you just heard you and know, then basically. when he finally got figured out how to put it on a flash drive that changed everything because he could do mm -hmm. it in a second like i i never had that kind of thinking but do you do merch my merch is uh is very very impressive i took a huge page out of the wwe uh handbook uh -huh. i i study wrestling because wrestling is probably the biggest form of entertainment out there with just the level of production the level of intensity and the the marketing and the merchandise cm punk's out there oh oh really yeah sweet <laughs> <laughs> i'm freaking geeking uh, <laughs> i'm a huge cm punk fan yeah I, I i'm not a wrestling guy but he was a fan of my show and his buddy colt cabana mm -hmm. you know does a podcast kind of like this show and he was a fan of my show so i interviewed Colt in Chicago, and then Colt set me up with Punk, and he came in. Oh, sweet! So I, I had to be schooled, but you know it was interesting to talk to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I want him to come back really bad. Yeah, I want him to come you think really he's going to come back? I think he's eventually going to come back. What's the, what else is he going to do? He's showing up at Blackhawk games that aren't you know. <laughs> oh, he's really he's just living the life. He's, he's just, just yeah. he's like fuck it. He's really building it. This is a hell of a fucking script. Yeah, if it is, if it is, if it's a, if it's an angle, then it, they, they they got us all. It's a long one, man. They got us all. So okay, so you put all this. You 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 you. You've, you've had a childhood love of wrestling your whole life. Oh yeah, I, I've been watching wrestling since '85. Uh, Hulk Hogan and, and Andre the Giant. That was a that was it right there. I was hooked after that. And you know, knowing full well, like the people that love oh, wrestling, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. they know exactly what it is. I and know they still exactly love it. what it is. I watch it for what it is. It's a it's a nice glorified male soap opera, and it's it's entertainment. Yeah. I watch it for that. So, what did you pull from the from? How did you design the your big merch show, around man? That? Well, first of all, the show. Yeah. Um, my show now. I mean, I got uh, you know screens, and I got all kinds of stuff all over the stage. Gobo lights. You know, it's it's a it's a rock show. It really is. We well, got I saw a, that uh, in some of the clips from the new movie. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. You know, we bring a nice production to the show, and and uh, the video screens and 
<clears throat> the merchandise is is huge. I mean, <laughs> uh, we've got a a whole truck dedicated to just merchandise. What do you sell? You name it. I mean, I've got like fifteen different T shirts. There's hats, bumper stickers, uh, three different types of bobbleheads, action figures, cups, um, how beanies, uh, lanyards. We sell uh, cardboard cutouts, and it all uh, sells. Everything sells. Everything sells. And it's I've, a big I've, part I've, of I've got stores in the malls too. Yeah. Huh? You do? Yeah, a little kiosk that I set up. It's you know, it's the fluffy shop. Well, you just pay them all for the permit. Well, the, little, the little kiosk, you know, yeah. they get the little carts and stuff. You see them when you when you like go that. to a town, you mean? Or uh, no, you... I have I have uh, one set up at uh, Lakewood Mall. Uh-huh. I had a couple that were scattered around town, but I usually wait till the holidays to bring out more carts. Huh? So that's a big part of your business. Yes, merchandising. You love it. Yeah. It works. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gonna. Yeah, it's it's a huge part of the business. And and that started to pick up when you got bigger when and started, bigger. When I started doing uh, the the big tours in 2010 is when the first we got uh, sponsorship through. Uh, God, what was a cell phone company? It was a new cell phone company at the time, and uh, Comedy Central. Yeah. And so they put this whole Fluffy Shop tour together, and uh, they let me call it the Fluffy Shop tour. It was like I wanted to name my my merchandise company. Yeah. So that was the name of the tour. Was the merchandise company Fluffy Shop tour. Uh huh. And we went everywhere, and they were running ads for it, and uh, the merch just started picking up and picking when, up. When, when was the year where you saw the 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 crowd changing, where you were successfully playing to everybody? What is the percentage now? Uh, to it, Latino was, it, was, to... it was definitely oh, uh, past oh five. Yeah. Um, and right now, I think it's 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 right. It's pretty even. Really? It's pretty even. That's amazing, man. Certain cities, it's a little bit more like San Antonio. Sure. It'll go from fifty fifty to like maybe seventy thirty. Yeah. And now you've toured the world, mm-hmm. and you got this movie, which is a concert movie. Concert movie. Which people, like, only a few people do those. So I'm, I'm in pretty good company. Yeah, you pretty are. Good company. Pryor and, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy, and, you know, and some people have done movies, but, like, a lot of people just do a special, but this is going to be in theaters. Mm-hmm. And it's called, what is it, Fluffy the Movie? The Fluffy Movie. The Fluffy Movie. Yeah. Everything I've ever done always incorporates the word. And what's the angle? Uh, well, the first... Seven minutes is a uh, it's a mini film about the night that my mom and dad met, and how I came to be about a comedy so, film. A comedy film, yeah, sure. And uh, right after that, uh, the concert starts. It leads into the concert, and uh, it's about a, I want to say ninety seven minutes. Only shot in one place. We shot it in San Jose. Yeah, well, anytime you, you bounce around and you start showing multiple locations, it's weird. It gets a little too weird. You know, to me, what that when I watched Chris Rock do that, I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's showing that he's doing the exact same joke, the exact same way in fifty cities. It's yeah, it, it almost <laughs> destroys the illusion of what we do. It's like that exact same joke in a different clothing. Yeah, it was to me. It was like, why would you do that? It, it's almost it, it it undermines the mystery of what we do because. Well, not you just unlike, telegraphed it. It's going to be the same here. It's going to be the same there. Right, and not unlike wrestling, I think people want to believe like he's just making it up. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's happening now. Mm-hmm. So if you show, you know, if you play your hand like that, <laughs> holy shit, this guy didn't change nothing. It's no matter where he goes, yeah, it's crazy. I thought that was a crazy uh, misfire. Yeah, he should have just kept it in one. Why not? He should have just kept it, I, and it got me dizzy bouncing back and forth with it. Yeah, but you thought, but you did tour like all over the world, right? Yes. And how how did that go for you? Uh, the first time I played Canada, I was really nervous just because it was that same feeling of when I first went to Florida. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, are they going to get it? Are they going to understand it? So I'm second guessing everything. Are, are there Mexicans doing. in Canada? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the time when I went to Canada, I had already gotten past that, you know. Yeah. 
sure. that, uh, you know, that Latino yeah. thing. Um, let me just try to relate to whoever I'm there with. And uh, it was just for laughs. It was Montreal. Sure. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. Here they speak French. So yeah. now I'm like, okay, yeah. uh, what's going to happen? But they got it, right? Oh, that, that's such a hip crowd. Yeah. And, well, it's, uh, but also, that it's like family, man. It's next door. Yeah. They know they know what's up. It's next door, and when you go to other parts of the world, you realize just how close Canada is, and, and how it, it's just the same. It's the exact same thing. Where, where did you go to London? Uh, I got to perform in London. Uh, those London. How was uh, that? Manchester. That's not an easy crowd. No, but you know when when I got there, I already had the uh, the Nord, you know the, the the fan base and and you uh-huh. know, the YouTube stuff. So uh-huh. when I got there, the fans were solid. It was they were here to see Fluffy. It wasn't yeah. like uh, who we're gonna come say it and yeah. all. It's, yeah. it's, uh, you know right. nothing. They were excited. They're chanting Fluffy. They're already wearing the T-shirts before I even walk out on stage. Do so so. you have a YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. And you do what? How do you how do you treat that? What do you do? Uh, my YouTube channel, I basically up to, uh, update content, stand-up content. Um, I don't try to do anything that's real- uh, But you don't want to tip all your bits, so you just, you're selective, or how does it work? Well, I put stuff that's already out. Okay. You know, anything that's new doesn't come out until it's already been put either in a, you know, on, on cable or right. put on somewhere else. Right, okay. Or if I do a late night talk show or something, I'll put, you know, snippets sure, and bits sure. like that. Sure, right, right. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean- uh, And that gives you uh, global exposure. Yeah, I mean, if, if it only plays in the US, it's not going to do me any good when I go, you know, anywhere else. So I want to make sure that everybody can see it. Have you had to sweat one out recently? What do you mean? A show? When you've gone somewhere? Has, have you had any uh, tricky ones? Where you're like, yeah, it's not, you know, had to sort of like, all right, well, I guess they're not getting it completely. Uh, not recently. Uh, it, it's been very, very good, very, very uh, consistent the last uh, year or so. But I, I've had a couple corporate gigs that didn't go exactly the way I wanted them to. Um, I did a show for, uh, it was, uh, they were raising money for battered women. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was this function that they did in Florida and they uh the floor it was it was at the uh, hard rock and the floor was all people for this benefit and the balcony they opened it up to my fans to buy tickets so when i walk out on stage i'm getting roars from the balcony but the floor is just very polite and very you know round tables and, and the people ties, that paid the big money people that paid the big money right. for this uh, fundraiser just there because they have to yeah yeah and i had to follow uh, a lady that went up there and told this 15 minute long horrific story about how she survived domestic violence and then they played a video after that and then here's gabriel iglesias to make you laugh and i'm like are you freaking kidding me <laughs> it's such i got to i got to follow this classic story you know and, yeah. oh man it was brutal and you I couldn't mean, make an, you couldn't make light of it no no, yeah. you couldn't. You, yeah, you, there's yeah. nothing you could say. I mean, yeah. you just got to go out there and go, hey, you guys, we're here for a great cause. And, you know, you got to really kiss up and do as much positive crowd work right. and way to survive. And, yeah. hey, you guys, this yeah, is a yeah, night yeah, for, yeah, you know, to, yeah. to build up the. Uh, you can't go up and go like, I don't think she's going to laugh. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go up there and start yeah. cracking jokes like that. But it was crazy because as soon as I walked out, the balcony's going crazy. Yeah. They want me to do a regular show. Yeah. And then the floor, they made it clear. You can't talk about certain things during your show. And I'm like. It was very frustrating because yeah. I'm killing upstairs, but I'm getting nothing downstairs. That's the nature of that kind of game. And then people are ignoring me. And I, my problem is I look at all the people sure. and it started bugging me. People started turning their backs to me so they could eat, so they could do everything the else. Worst. And I'm like, really? Yeah. And then I just snapped at one point. I snapped and, I, and I'm like, hey, you guys, I'm trying to you know, do this for you. want to make this happen. I says, at least show me a little bit of respect. Just at least look at me. If you're not yeah. going to laugh, at least look at me. Yeah. And uh, you could feel the people on the side of the stage like, uh, get him off, get yeah. him off, he's going rogue. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I just started cussing up a storm. I'm like, yeah, this is bullshit. I don't, I don't need to do this. I said, you know what, you guys? And to the people upstairs, I apologize. I go, I just, it's, I want to give oh. you guys a great show. I go, but this is not going the way it's supposed to go. And you snapped, man. I snapped. And then I says, you know what, you guys? I says, you guys offered me a lot of money to play this show tonight, and this is what I want to do. I'm going to finish my set, but I want you guys to keep all of it and apply it to your cause because uh, I think that's the most important thing tonight. And I said that, and then the whole floor stands, gives me a standing ovation. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm still going to do five more minutes. Sit sit down so I can finish I'm doing this because I'm bombing. Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, dude. Basically. I, I, and I learned that from Jay Leno. We did a gig together at the Laugh Factory for a group that's kind of like PETA. Uh-huh. And Jay went up there and started doing jokes about his cats. And they did not feel him. And at the end of his set, he goes, "You know, I'd like to, I'd like to get, donate ten thousand dollars to your cause." And then everybody stood up, and I'm like, "Oh my God!" He just straight pulled that good little closer, rabbit. yeah, yeah great yeah. closer. <laughs> took him the butt, and now here you go. Here you go. I'm, I just killed. I just so fucking did it. I went into the Jay Leno vault right then That's and there, great. and I pulled that one out. But I mean, uh, I try not to do those corporate gigs because you know they don't make it fun for you. They put too many rules on you, and then putting you in a situation where you gotta right. fight. Yeah, if you believe in the cause, just give them money, and yeah, it, it makes it difficult yeah so what do you do you do, do you do uh you perform for the troops uh, i've done i've done a couple of uso tours i did the uh uso i did the air yeah. force reserve right uh th- those are great and they appreciate the hell out of it when you show up there they're like wow you brought a piece of home here yeah and they must they, feel great they fly us out there on these massive c-17s and they land in these combat zones and you're just like oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. freaking out yeah but they all went well yeah, yeah, they all went really good. So where are you going now? What's the plan? The movie opens... The movie opens July 11th. Well, you can do uh, Howard. What do you do? Uh, they're talking about Howard. Yeah? I'm a little nervous, man, because Howard, uh, Howard has a... He's a, got a good talent for finding stuff. <laughs> I never... I, ne- I did it for the first time you know, last year when my show came on. I, I'd never done it, and I was nervous. Yeah. Yeah, but like sometimes it's not... You You, you know, as depending on what kind of comic you are, you know, like... What's he going to find? He's not. He's not the National Security Administration. Mm-hmm. You know, like I bet you with Howard and like between me and you, I bet you. You know, he says, uh, "So your mom fucked a guitar player. That's why you're here." <laughs> Something like that. You know what I mean? It's not. You know, it's not going to be right. It's not going to. I mean, what's he going to get? Like I was like, he's going to find something, and I get on there. He's like, "So you're a jealous, bitter guy." I'm like, "Yeah, I can talk about that. That's it. That's all you got. No problem." It's probably not going to be that bad. That's funny. Well, because you know, it's just that whole. It's the mystique. It's it's Howard. Yeah, know? yeah. But you like you know, like yeah. I was completely consumed with like, what if he finds out that one thing? There's a couple people that know that thing. He'll probably talk. <laughs> what to if him. he's the one that knows that? Yeah. Thing? What if someone gave him that information? Then I'm gonna, that's going to be bad. But I think he's uh, he's pretty he's a pretty great guy. You know, he's not you know you're not he's not there to make you know, controversy out of you. He likes comics. So uh, Let's see what happens. So you're not going to be doing any shows. Uh, not well. Uh, I got a couple shows that I'm doing uh, this month. I'm going to be in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Texas. I'm playing San Antonio and Houston. Hu- San Antonio, Houston, and Laredo. Uh huh. Now, now are you going to have your dad up for the premiere? I thought about it. I I really thought about it, especially the fact that uh, I have somebody in the movie playing him. Um, haven't reached out to him yet, but I, I think I, I think I have to. I think I own that. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna you know invite him, fly him out. 
it's like it's a it's a complete uh, sort of like not only is it you know uh, respectful and and shows some sort of sign of closure, but it's victorious. I mean, you know, here's, here's, it's a it's a feel good story, and and this special is different than anything that I've done because I get very very personal with it, and really tell some stories about my past and just my you know growing up and some of the stuff that I've been doing lately, dealing with the diabetes and the reason why I had to lose weight and you know my family situation. Uh-huh. So uh, it's 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 different than what I've done. And you have kids. I have a son. Now, has he met your dad? Uh, yes, he did. He met him, uh, but you know what? He's you know he's a teenager, and he had his iPod on, and he's like, "Hey, what's up?" That's, oh yeah, that, didn't that's, that's what he meant. You got you a know? teenager? Yeah. Well, really? he's, he's technically my stepson, but I mean, I've had him for eleven years now. So. Uh huh. And what's he? What's he? Does he like what you do? He loves what I do. Uh, I don't think he wants to get into it, but he he definitely loves it. Anytime I hey, you want to go on the tour bus? You want to come out on the road? Yeah, yeah I'm there. <laughs> Good. Uh, now, does he watch my show? Not really. Does he hang out with the guys? Of course. <laughs> right. Right. All right, man. Well, it's uh, it's great talking to you. I'm glad we finally did this. Finally. Thank you. Yeah, man. That's it. That's our show, folks. I I enjoyed that. He's a very sweet guy, man. And uh, he's a big act. And I don't mean that derogatorily. He's he's large, but he's not as large as, we, as he used to be, which we discussed, but he's very popular. And uh, I want to thank him for coming. And what else do I want to do? Go to WTFPod.com. Get the app. Get the free app. Upload to the premium. You can stream every episode of this show. It's quite an archive there. I'm proud of it. Enjoy. Okay? Enjoy it. What else have I got to tell you? Oh, yeah. You can go. Uh, what else can you do at WTFPod.com? Get some Just Coffee. You can check out the merch or T-shirts. There's things there. You can kick in some money for the patent troll issue, which I think I'll talk at length about another time, maybe on Thursday. You can uh, leave a comment. Yeah, whatever. Okay, all right. Now I'm kind of buzzed out. Boomer lives! Meow. <laughs>